0: Overcoming anxiety and fear, educating the reluctant student, cultivating lasting relationships, and strengthening our faith. My hope is that the insights offered on the show will help us envision ourselves using our unique gifts and talents on greater levels for greater purposes. Welcome, Jerry Fu, to Envision Together, going to our next level of best podcast. I am so excited to have you. And if you will just briefly tell us about yourself.
1: Hi, fam. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. A little bit about myself. I am a, a salsa dancer, a cook, a musician, um, a restaurant trier, and lover of <laughs> all cultures amateur language learner, dabbler, and uh, you know, trying to be a powerful listener as well. So it's a little bit about me.
0: Wonderful. All right. Well, I'm excited to hear even more as you share a little more in depth about what you do. So tell us about the events that led you to become a coach for leaders.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a winding journey. It first started as a The idea of being a doctor planted by my mother and some well-meaning relatives when I was very young, (laughs) because I had I had two cousins I grew up with who both went to Harvard and then also went to medical school. So had a had a high bar set for me early on. No
0: pressure here.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And yeah. yeah. So had an idea of healthcare. I uh, didn't really have anything else I was really that interested in or good at uh, when I was younger. So yeah, let me just become a biology major and go to med school because I thought that would be the path. And then I got a C in organic chemistry and, you know, in, in Asian's eyes, right? That's death. Like you don't recover <laughs> from something like that. So to, uh, to spare myself the embarrassment of, you know, being waitlisted or even rejected from med school, I said, well, let me pivot to something else. And I said, well, I still want to do healthcare, but what else is available to me? So I said, well, pharmacy seems pretty promising. And so, uh, applied to pharmacy school, convinced them I would make a good pharmacist and got accepted. And, um. Here's where the road got interesting was, you know, my mom and I were at odds about what my career should look like. Hmm. Uh, ironically enough, we both thought I wanted to go into chain pharmacy. I just didn't want to work for the chain pharmacy she thought would be best for me. But uh, even though she never worked a day in her life in chain pharmacy or any pharmacy, <laughs> uh, she was still, she mom still knows best. So um, <laughs> she
0: did her research.
1: <laughs> yeah, she, well, she, she thought she did have research or she had enough friend recommendations on her side that she thought were more credible than any any experience I had had, you know, right. working <laughs> in pharmacy. Um, and so, you know, all growing up, you know, still very conflict diverse, still very uh, much about people pleaser. And so, you know, I just didn't have the energy to fight my mom's, uh, you know, insistence. So I agreed to work for the pharmacy that she thought I should work for, but quickly became unhappy Mm-hmm. Uh, with it and um, ironically enough in the middle of my time with them I actually had a pretty decent job setting where flexible scheduling and you know decent quality of life so I actually got complacent I was afraid to leave because I knew how rare the situations were uh, but once that window closed I transferred to the store that was much busier had a really bad customer service incident
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, that just made me realize nope I have to I I can't I can't hold off any longer I have to find something different. I can't stop just complaining about, I can't stop for just complaining about how unhappy I am. Right. So um, what
0: was was the customer service incident?
1: Oh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, basically uh, a lady at one point changed her insurance information, but we didn't know that. And so at one point, one of the technicians just in the rush of things just decided to start running her prescriptions on a discount card, you know, that was available to everybody in the state. And without telling her or calling her, you know, to say, "Hey, you know, your insurance has changed, or something," you know, or, or we need updated information because we just were afraid of any blow up that might happen, even if it's a legitimate reason to call her. And mm-hmm. so she called back after this had gone on for several months, you know, saying, "Hey, you know, my insurance wasn't billed. I changed it. Why wasn't it billed?" And so um, mm-hmm. I had to fall on that grenade because the the manager was not there. And so she says, "Are you the manager?" I was like, "Well, I'm the closest thing." <laughs> and so yeah. she proceeded to express her frustration. And I did my best to apologize and make amends for it. And she was not happy with my solution. We both ran out of nice things to say. And even worse, <laughs> after I hang up the phone, uh, my uh, other pharmacist was on duty at the time gave me the stink eye and basically said that, you know, how dare I, you know, antagonize this patient, even though I knew I was doing everything I could to apologize. And the fact that she didn't have my, she didn't even take the time to hear my side of the story or decided I was wrong or said no matter what. And I just remember having this, like, it's just like, I, I, I need a vacation and I can't keep this up any longer. So yeah. Okay, yeah. That was the, that was, yeah, sure. No, you know, <laughs> you know, these are moments where everyone has them. But, you know, yeah, but how do we, who shares them? Who's willing to really let that spur onto real action, right? And so uh, the funny thing was, is that, so I had always had a heart for teaching students, specifically in pharmacy, and uh, I couldn't get a conventional university job because I didn't work on my career. I didn't have a residency, I didn't have a PhD. But the next best thing was to teach through a pharmacy consulting company, which one of my friends worked for. And so when one of my friends who worked for a, a company got promoted. She said, Hey, my previous position is available. Would you like to apply for it? And I said, absolutely. And so I, you know, got through the interviews, convinced them that I was worth taking a chance on, walked away from a full-time job, you know, with benefits and all the things that my mom told me that were important to me, you know, for this part-time job with the idea and hope that I could earn my way into a full-time position with this company. So I'm moving from Tennessee down to Texas. I have no idea what my life is going to look like at this point. I was just, but I was excited for the future that I could have with this Mm -hmm. company. Uh, 11 months later got fired and, um,
0: and you you were still relatively young while all these things are happening.
1: I was 30. Yeah, 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 Yeah. Um, so still, even though I was at like Some people in in Tennessee, like 30s, middle age, right? You're just kind of like, oh, no.
0: (laughs) No, that's still young. (laughs)
1: Fair enough. Yeah, well, either way, standards are relative. But point being, right, you know, I'm living at home. I'm single. I have, you know, a nice job or a job that pays well. But, you know, I'm just not happy with my life and, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of other things. And, you know, I was caught in some really unproductive patterns where, you know, my mom would want me to learn how to cook. I would just, you know, stay home and watch TV and feel sorry for myself because I was unhappy with my pharmacy career. Mm -hmm. So she would continue to cook for me. So I wasn't, and even if I wanted to learn how to cook, I was just too afraid to like cook something bad, right? So just a lot of small things there, some patterns of uh, resistance to growth and other things like that, because I felt safe, right? My mom wanted to keep me safe and it got to a point where it was just really unhealthy, right? Because I'm in my thirties and people are like, that's so unattractive, a thirties, you know, who's single, lives still living at home. Right. Even though I was making, you know, even though I was okay with like saving money on rent to go on trips and things like that.
0: Absolutely. And you can even save money and invest it in. I mean, whatever your interests are, you can get investment property. So it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world, but I do appreciate you being so candid because you know what? There's lots of people out there in situations like that. And that's one of the beautiful things. Our stories can help other people know that they're not alone and then even learn how to navigate and have a different outcome as you did. So thanks for being so honest. I find that people resonate with those stories the most, when people mm-hmm. are just keeping it real, being candid and authentic. Yeah. So thank you. So this eventually caused you to pivot again and become a leader for coaches. I mean, a coach for leaders.
1: Yeah. So the the second leg of that journey. So after I got fired, you know, that was a nasty but necessary wake up call. And so I went through some really tough job situations before I realized I need to take more control over my uh, career path. And so the first stop was at a house of cards pharmacy where four of my patients bounced filling for crooked doctors. So that was mm-hmm. a pretty rude, also another very rude wake up call just to say, <laughs> wow, life is harsh out there. You yeah. Know, this naive kid who thinks that everyone is, you know, trusting and kind and dependable. Mm-hmm. It's like, Nope, there's a lot of people who want to take advantage of you. So, Hey, uh, i had know. to
0: make adjustments like that along the way, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Opposite to the best of us. And, you know, so the key <laughs> is not whether or not you should be exempt from them just because you're a nice guy, but how do you respond so that, you know, number one, you can protect yourself from future uh, similar situations. And also, right. you know, how do you stand up for yourself mm-hmm. in those moments, right? Because, again, still very conflict-averse. Oh, let me just show Grace. Let me honor my side of the bargain, even if he doesn't honor his. And people are saying... How are you going to pay your bills, Jerry? If he's not yeah. paying you, it's like, okay, yeah, I, I need to at some <laughs> point stop expressing my frustration on the sideline and fire my gun, you know, in a blank range, and actually like taking the bull by the horns and, and taking the situation on. And so, it, again, still, you know, still learning, trying, failing to do this well. So the next job, my friends, get me out of that and they get me on with a company that's legit. But they say, hey, money's really tight, so we can't pay more than eight hours a week. And I said, okay, that's also <laughs> also not ideal. <laughs> so, yeah. what do I do? And they said, well, you can get more hours if you cover at our store in Austin. And I said, okay, two and a half hours away. Uh, let me just drive out there. Beggars can't be choosers. I have no idea what my life is going to look like at this point. And that summer was a key moment because I was asked to help teach leadership workshops through a pharmacy leadership nonprofit, some of my friends run. And so, teaching leadership gave me the confidence to believe that maybe i could actually be good at this Mm -hmm. because before i said wow leadership is hard conflict is hard i don't want to look incompetent i'm tired of failing at it so i just i'm just not going to deal with it i just don't have the energy or capacity i don't believe that's possible and so now i actually gave myself the possibility of hey well what if i could be good at it how would i carry myself what kind of work would that involve?" and so when a full-time manager position opened up in houston a couple months later I knew I I wanted to come home and I knew I couldn't stay scared. I needed to take on this challenge. And I, I missed my Austin work team. That was a great team. It just mm-hmm. wasn't home. So I continued to try struggle, fail. I get written up because my technicians are acting out of line and I'm not doing more to discipline them or, or even fire them. And so again, tough lessons were my attempts at grace were actually passive, right? Uh, it wasn't showing grace in the event of, hey, let me cover for them because I've had a tough day. I'll do this. It is no, they're not pulling their weight and I'm not calling them on it. Right? Right.
0: So, All this was causing you to develop more and more into a leader that gave you the insight to be able to coach leaders and then come up with these other great things we're about to talk about.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You know, you gotta I got to skim my knee a couple of times because sometimes the only way you learn is by being in the middle of the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are insights that you don't get until you yourself, you know, you can learn about driving, but until you get behind the wheel, right, there's only so much you're going to be able to understand. So right. this is one of those moments. But yeah, all that to say to wrap that side up. Yeah. The only reason I got a job interview after that uh, was that after the company had their funding pulled was they said, wow, you have you leadership resume, you know, leadership experience on your resume. And I said, wow, you know, that saved my career, but the mm-hmm. job options were still limited. I got more job options, but they would only last like one or two years at a time. And mm-hmm. so when my previous employer went under, I said, well, you know, I'm tired of chasing scripts. I'm tired of fighting insurance companies, but I love these teaching these leadership workshops. Mm-hmm. So how do I do more of that? What kind of career would that look like? And so I declared myself a coach Still scared of failure and rejection. And it wasn't until the pandemic hit. I said, How much longer can I afford to put this off? So, yeah. you know, opened up last year, still try, struggle, fail. I'm doing private tutoring on the side to help with cash flow and appearing on podcasts like this one to increase visibility and network. Uh, But yeah, you know, it's, it's the plane still has a little bit of fuel in it. So Mm -hmm. I've just got to work a little hard to get it off the ground.
0: (laughs) Well, I really enjoy hearing your story and hearing how you're pivoting. And that's exactly how we all succeed. Everyone kind of falls, fails. Uh, You have to try again. So I applaud you for that. And you know what? You're going for what you believe you'll be happy and passionate about. So tell me about what are some of the common mistakes that people make with conflict? And how does your framework make a difference in bringing resolution? You talked about this framework before. So give me more details. Expound on it for
1: my audience. Sure, sure. So uh, my framework involves five steps. So the most common mistakes this framework helps you overcome. Number one is avoidance, right? Because people think, "Oh, well, if I just stick my head in the sand, maybe the problem will go away on its own. Maybe the storm will finally blow over." Yeah. It's like mm, you can you can try that, <laughs> but the chances of that happening usually, a problem rarely solves itself. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, second is charging your head, right? They say, "Oh, I'm tired of this." Okay, so that's a good blessing, but. You know, they charge ahead. They don't do their homework. Right. And all of a sudden uh, they have to apologize for two things. Number one, for antagonizing the person. And then also, number two, getting the story wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. So it feels justified, but it's not accurate. Uh, A third common mistake is overcompensation. Right. And in in the process of avoiding these conflicts, they just maybe say, well, you know, they keep making this mistake. uh, So let me just fix it for them. Right. If my technicians type up a prescription wrong. okay, let me just fix it. Maybe they were busy. Uh, or occupied or distracted. But now it happens again, the same mistake. And now it's like, if it's my choice to either address it or my choice to continue fixing it. Mm-hmm. And now if I continue to fix it, now I'm doing two jobs to the price of one. And now that's how I get burnt out, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm doing more than what I'm supposed to do. Right. Uh, and then another one that came up recently is interrupting. That's <laughs> also mm-hmm. a fun one where people think they hear enough and they want to defend themselves. And next thing you know, no one's really listening to each other you know, now it's just uh, now it's just a shouting match, right? Because now people feel disrespected. And so these are some of the common mistakes people make. And so the framework that I have involves five steps. Number one, imagine what a successful conversation would sound like. So first you have to give yourself the possibility to say, Hey, you know, if this goes well, you know, what kind of words would be involved? You know, how do, how would I feel? How would they, I want them to feel after having this conversation? Right. And right. so, so when you're able to first, because what happens like when most people do this? Oh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll just charge in there. And it's like, no, if you don't go in with a a plan, right? How, how likely is success? So first, imagine what the destination is, right? Uh, the second is to uh, get 10 seconds of courage. Just drum that up just really quick. Okay, uh, let me send that email. Let me send that text. Let me pick up the phone. Because a I lot of people. <laughs> I love that.
0: I love that. 10 seconds of courage. Yeah. I feel like. You're making it accessible. Okay, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can get over my fear for 10 seconds and just yeah.
1: dive in. Exactly. Yeah. Because most people think, oh, well, I don't feel courageous enough yet. It's like, well, you never will. Yeah. <laughs> so you just need you just need enough to set that in motion and then shut the gate behind you, lock the gate behind you so that you're like, oh, I can't backtrack. It's like, nope, you gotta yeah. you gotta start this. Get it started. I'm gonna
0: carry that with me. 10. All I need is 10 mm-hmm. seconds yeah. of courage. Yeah.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Right. I do it all the time because I'm just like, oh, I don't want to deal with this mistake again. But 10 seconds of courage, 10 seconds of courage, 10 seconds of courage, go. And then that's pretty (laughs) much it. I'm happy to admit that, guys. This is my own. I'm following my own advice and taking my own medicine. Right. Right. Um, Third is to script your critical moves. So don't just think, oh, I have to organize this thought in my head. It's going to be very anxious and frustrating and distracting. So just put it on paper. Right. Imagine uh, what are the things I need to address? Because I, I want this race. I need to talk about my raise with my boss. Okay. What are the points I need to make, right? How do I strengthen my case? Let me write all those down. Let me organize it in a flow. That sounds logical. Okay. Now that's on paper Now I can organize it. Now I have an idea. Number four, rehearse these moves, right? You have to train in the dojo before you fight on the street, because if you Mm -hmm. just simply memorize the steps, right, that's not going to be enough. If you practice in front of a mirror though, and you say, okay, how's my body language? How's my tone? Do I project confidence and calm and, Am I collected when I say these things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, role play with a friend, right? Hey, can you pretend to be this boss and you know anticipate pushback or barriers that I might encounter, right? And then finally do it, right? You've right. done the homework, you've done the research, you've made a plan. And for you to remember that, Uh, your hesitation is costing you this raise, right? If you don't engage this conversation at all, you don't get the raise. You shouldn't expect your boss to hopefully, oh yeah, finally he'll get around to giving you one. You have to to set that in motion. So yeah, follow through, right?
0: I want to validate your step number four too, because I used to do acting. I majored in theater in high school and Mm. I remember rehearsing my lines in the mirror and in front of family members and I put a lot of effort into it, but it did make such a huge difference. And do you know, because I have that background when I'm in situations, whether it's work or defending my dissertation or whatever it is, I naturally gravitated back to those behaviors and it really does work. I literally, I'm in a habit of rehearsing before the actual Encounter whether it's interviewing, whether it's defending the dissertation, or I mean, there's a plethora of reasons why I've used this, but I know for a fact that that works.
1: Beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah, it's, I think everyone should at least do one theater class, uh, you know, in high school just to have that set of experiences and knowledge because I know so many people like you who have drawn on it, right? They say, hey, this helped me with sales, this helped me with conflict because uh, it helps with teaching, right? When you get in the habit absolutely. of rehearsing beforehand and you iron out all the words that you know you shouldn't say or the, it's clumsy or other things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Making absolutely.
0: And all of that, it helps you to be a better orator. Okay, so thanks for sharing those five frameworks. But I know that you also have the five C's. And so I'd like you to tell us how the five C's complement your framework.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the first C is compassion, right? You want compassion for the other person. Hey, they have feelings just like me. They have blind spots just like me. And they want to feel seen, heard, respected like me. So let's make sure we're on the same side and make sure that, hey, you know what, I really just want what's best for them, and addressing this issue will help me give them what's best for them and for me and for our relationship. Right.
0: Right.
1: Um, right. We have empathy is always a good thing, right? We want yeah. to say, well, you know, how would they receive this? Is it, would it seem a little harsh? Okay. Let me maybe dial it back a little bit. Let me make sure I'm gentle with my words.
0: Right. And I like that first one, compassion, because we all know that the root of any positive relationship. Any successful relationship Mm -hmm. is really just that connection, that personal connection. And even in a work setting, you have to have a personal connection to get the best out of the experience for both people involved.
1: Yeah. Then the second C is uh, courage, right? You want to set this into motion. Everyone feels like uh, you can never have enough courage, it sounds like, right? And no one says, oh, you have too much courage. Like you need to back off. It's like, no, no, no. Set it in motion. If you care about the person, get the courage to address them. Hey, you got spinach on your teeth and you need to remove it, right? Yeah. No, no one would want you to, why didn't you tell me? Oh, I was too afraid to be upset. Now I'm more upset for you not telling me that I'm embarrassing Absolutely. myself, right? So let's uh, <laughs> let's have that courage to say, hey, you know what? No. You know, think, think and, right? Hey, I, I'm your friend. I care about you. And I'm going to have to talk about some things with you to make sure that our friendship is healthy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was thinking not the spinach on the teeth example. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is great stuff. What's yeah. your third one?
1: Yeah, the third one is, uh, is is curiosity, right? Get to know the other side. Do you detect, be a detective. Get to know the whole thing. Hey, what are you thinking in the situation, right? What story are you telling yourself? Uh, you know, asking these questions to the other person. Hey, you know, what happened with this report, right? Like, I, I don't know why you didn't turn it in on time as agreed, but please help me understand what am I missing, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and not just to assess the situation, but to really have a genuine interest in the other person's perspective and, and wiring and, 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 and uh, insights. Yeah. And then fourth is uh collaboration, right? Now let's, instead of, uh, you know, talking, over, uh, you know, across from uh, each other, let's get on the same side because if we're on the same team, let's work toward a, you know, a common solution, right? How do we make sure that we're working together so this problem that came up doesn't happen again or this misunderstanding uh, won't happen again? Because, you know, no one wants to learn the same lesson twice, right? Right. Um, it's 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 not necessary. And sometimes you don't have time for that.
0: It also fine. sends Go the ahead. message to the employee mm-hmm. that my leader is willing to roll up their sleeves and work together with me, even mm-hmm. model or give further advice. It's a supportive role. Good the collaborative part of it is so important. It's not like I'm just out there on my own. Mm -hmm. And I like it too, because you shared earlier how you used to just do things for uh, the employee and then they would make the mistake again. But if you come alongside them and do it with them, then they are getting that practice, that coaching to begin to own it and improve it's just nurturing to use the word of collaborating, mm-hmm. and it like it makes it less scary for the employee mm-hmm. dealing with their their leader, their superior, their manager. <laughs> so yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. Yeah. Finally, uh, closure. You want to strive for closure. You want to get to a solution. That you may it may not look like you know what you think is best. Uh, you know all you need to do, but you need to be confident that you can find one with the person you're collaborating with, right? To say, hey, let's come to an agreement. I, I know I'll have to make some concessions. And, you know, in making those concessions, right, There, there's more buy-in, right, there's more a higher chance of success because people both feel like, hey, you know, I'm staking this because we actually listen to each other and right. we're working toward the same goal. Hey, let's make their company money. Let's make sure we're not dropping the ball in-house and we're sinking the boat before it reaches, you know, the finish line, right? So mm-hmm. let's make sure we do that.
0: Great. All right. Well, thanks for sharing those. I know that the audience is listening and whether they're a leader at work or a fellow Uh, you know, an employee. I think you've shared a lot of stuff that people can reflect on and navigate more successfully. So what advice would you give your younger self? You Mm. shared a lot of information about where things may have even gone wrong in your personal life and your professional life. What what would you say to your younger self?
1: Uh, Yeah. um, Number one, you know, realize that failure isn't fatal because when i got that scene organic chemistry the story i told myself was well you know no med school would accept me mm. uh, having this on my transcript wow. and i i rejected myself even before i gave them a chance to reject me right but you say I, that again you i gave i gave i've rejected myself before i gave them a chance to even reject me right i mm. didn't even know what they were going to say but i just said you know what uh, if i were in their shoes i wouldn't take me either so let me just spare them both the the you know the song and dance of like getting that rejection letter or getting that waitlist letter because I I don't want this shame of my parents and everyone else getting questions you know oh you know your son is smart and talented you know he graduated top and you know or in the top ten of his high school class right but then all why then why did he get waitlisted for med school like you know that like in hindsight right that that scrutiny is nothing but it's
0: the self sabotage it when you is that. So you learn or self-fulfilling prophecy. So you learn that failure isn't fatal. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. I like the alliteration of it too.
1: Yeah. Um, The second is uh, if you are secure in yourself and you like yourself, you don't have to undercut other people, right? You don't have to, you don't have to make others look bad in order to look good because that's, those are the kind of people I've had to fire. Like I, I knew I had a technician. she, would make mistakes and then every time we tried to confront them on her instead of her recognizing hey i need to learn and improve and get better like because that's all it was but she took it so personally she would just continue to deflect and say no it wasn't my fault or other things like that and Mm -hmm. you know it actually makes you look worse when you undercut others and you know if you're secure right you don't have to say oh you know Nintendo sucks. Like my Sega's better. It's like, no, just like your Sega, right? <laughs> it's just kind of yeah. to use a video game example uh, or like Marvel DC, right? People just say, Oh, well, no, Marvel's better. And DC sucks. It's like, no, just if you like Marvel, just like Marvel. And it's okay if other people don't, because if, as long as you enjoy it, that's fine.
0: And what you're sharing right there is so important. I found in life that confident people tend to lift others up. Good. When you are insecure, when you haven't realized that I have a lot to offer and therefore I don't have to be threatened by others. I can shine the spotlight on someone else. That comes from a lot of, you know, internal self-growing. And when you become at peace with who you are and your own value, uh, the value that you bring to a room, you're not intimidated by the value that someone else brings.
1: Third thing, if I had to to tell myself anything would be to say hey read more books just can mm-hmm. never read enough books because there was a point where i was just scarred by all the high school reading assignments about victorian literature i just didn't <laughs> care about i'm just like i don't understand why you have to drive to the same point home where this woman has an affair and dies like in madame bovary <laughs> and scarlet letter and anna karenina and the awakening and all his <laughs> other books and it's right. like, I get it. Okay. I don't so want to open some English to You had some English
0: teacher that just threw all these, probably their favorites, at you. <laughs>
1: Pretty much, yeah. I think that's probably in a way that's good where some people are saying, hey, I'm passionate about these books. I want you to enjoy them too. But, you know, you don't usually see that in a a English class in high school.
0: I love your comment, though, because Mm -hmm. all the teachers and educators out there who may be listening, Mm -hmm. it's so important to bring balance. I think it's great to read the books that you just mentioned, but no one wants to read just those. Mm. We have to have a variety and how healthy it is to pay attention to who's in the classroom Mm -hmm. and maybe make choices that would draw people from diverse backgrounds into the reading. So (laughs) that's important. Thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. Tell us about. The three powerful questions you use as a leader.
1: Mm, Yeah, I love good questions. Um, (laughs) So one of my favorites is, what's the real challenge here for you? Mm. Um, And because a lot of times as a leader, right, or if someone's just asking for advice, they come to you with what's actually a surface level problem. So, you know, they give you the immediate symptom, right? Oh, I got a scratch. It's just like, okay, well, you know, just put some put a bandaid and wash it off. You'll be fine. It's like, well, no, there's a bigger problem underneath that you have mother trying to explore. So to ask that question, right. It allows the person, you know, presenting to think about and evaluate their situation and say, Oh, you know, what's the real challenge here. So for me, if someone asked me that said, Hey, my business is struggling. And, you know, they say, what's the real challenge, Jerry. And I would say, Oh, it's uh, my own fear of rejection. So, that, you know, it's not about, oh, you don't have a good sales process or things like that. It is, oh, at the heart of it all, right? You're just afraid to put yourself out there, right? It's right. Like, oh, that, you know, I don't want to admit that, but, you know, that's what I need to work on, right? So that's one of, one of my favorite questions to ask. And it works for me too. The second question uh, I like is, uh, what's the next action? Uh, I like what's the next action because it undermines the victim mentality, right? It cuts down on complaining because now people are moving forward, right? Because you have to say next and you also have to say action. So it's not just about looking forward. It's about doing something. So right. this question is very powerful in that in that regard. And then um, a third is, uh, you know, what's your biggest takeaway from like a lesson or an experience or things like that, because it forces people to distill not forces, but it it helps people focus and say, okay, well, you know, oh, here's three things. I said, well, what's your biggest, right? You know, and you mm-hmm. have to cut out the good uh, in order to really focus on the essential. So right. um, those are those are three of my favorite questions to ask people.
0: Great, thanks. So it is my custom that with every episode, I have this one final question that I ask all of my guests. And this is it. Which one final gem can you leave with our audience today this is the single most important idea shared that if people don't remember anything else, this is what they should know from you to go to their next level best regarding the topic we've discussed today.
1: If I had to say anything, it is whatever you decide, it's your decision.
0: Whatever you decide, it's your decision. Wow. Yep. Tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, sure. Say, so, you know, we're dealing with a conflict, right? It is your choice to engage or, or avoid. Right. Um, if I chose to continue to pursue med school instead of, you know, settling for pharmacy school or, or pivoting to pharmacy school, then that's my choice. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't have to ultimately. Yeah. The fear of rejection, I allowed that to dictate my choice. But the choice. Right. I ha- I acknowledge it now. Oh, it was my choice to not apply to med school. And same thing with you know trying to write a book. At one point I had to make the decision to say if I do not have a workable draft by October of 2020, I will stop. And that was my decision to consciously realize, okay, I'm not going to put any more time into this. No matter what I've invested in it previously, oh, but I worked so long on it. It's like, okay, no, it is still your decision to either work on it or not, right? And so, yeah, same thing with career, same thing with who you date, right? Or same thing with what kind of car you want to buy, you know, with simple choices, whatever you decide mm-hmm. to eat, right? I choose the candy bar today over the cabbage. Okay, well, you right. know.
0: <laughs> it's almost, it makes me think of, you made your bed, you have to lie in it.
1: <laughs> Good, exactly. Yeah, right. It lets you want to. God. I
0: have to say, it makes me think of something else, too. Go for it. It makes me think of when I was much younger and I sought advice from others, I would almost let their voice override my mm-hmm. own thoughts, and I'd get clouded by mm-hmm. what they thought was best for me. And I would make a decision based on their advice. And if it went bad, I found myself at a certain point in life reflecting and saying, that's not even really what I felt. I made these mistakes and it's not even my own thoughts. I just went with what someone else said. So I learned That even, I'm not saying that it's bad to take advice, take advice, but weigh it genuinely, authentically with your own thoughts and ideas and make sure that if you follow that advice, it's truly your decision and not you just almost letting yourself get punked. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) Because you are going to have to walk it out. Even though it's someone else's advice, you're the one that's going to have to live it. Yep. You're you're making that bed based on somebody else's advice and you are going to have to sleep in it. So,
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And that's, you know, I think of situations now where I realize, you know, freeing myself up, I don't have to solve your problems. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. It's not,
1: even if someone says, Jerry, please solve my problem. And then what's like, well, you know, I'm just going to ask you questions. You know, what's your next action? <laughs> you know, what's, yeah. what's, what's the real challenge here for you? Right. Because a quick so it's, example.
0: it's a Socratic process. This is a Socratic process. Absolutely, we're leading and guiding someone to find their own answers that they yeah. already have, and that's the funny thing about it. We do already have the answers inside, sure. and sure. sometimes it takes being courageous enough to just own it and embrace it. And when you talk it through with someone like yourself, it just becomes clearer because you've talked it out and you have a great guide who's leading you, asking you those great questions that will lead you to the truth you already have inside.
1: You know, I I think back to a situation where a friend of mine was in a rough, passionate relationship with his, you know, then girlfriend at the time. And he asked me, Mm -hmm. you know, what should I do? And, you know, he had other people on both sides, you know, being like dump her or stick with her or they would say (laughs) dump him. And I thought to myself, it is not my place to tell him whether or not to dump her or stick with her. It is my it's my most loving thing I can do as a friend simply to ask him questions and shine a flashlight on areas I want him to address. And then from Mm -hmm. there, still be able to tell him, hey, look, you know, it's not for me to tell you whether or not to stay with her or not. But I hope, you know, my questions have given you some clarity and some better idea about whether or not you should stay with her or not.
0: I think your coaching style brings a certain level of comfort. Mm-hmm. Like you're the kind of person I would want to give me um, advice because you're you're valuing the fact that I'm bringing a lot to the table. It truly is a collaboration that in the process, you're going to help me discover some things that. I'm capable of, and maybe I'm not paying attention to and so forth. So that's so great. What would you then recommend as maybe the top three uh, books that you would tell someone um, if you, you know what, I'm not even going to put a, I'm not going to put into a certain frame. Just what are the, what are the first three books that comes to you that you would recommend to the audience?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. One of my favorite ones that's gotten a lot of feedback is uh, Barking Up the Wrong Tree. Everything you know about success is mostly wrong by Eric Barker. Just a really great book with a lot of compelling examples. Asking yourself, what is success? You know, what does it mean to you? How did you arrive at that definition? Hmm. And, you know, asking yourself, you know, what are you really looking for? And I think the terrifying thing with that is that people probably are afraid if they set their own definition of success and don't meet their own bar, if they set their own bar and they don't meet it, what does it say about them? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the book itself just realizes, Hey, you know, is success, you know, of uh, uh, being married with a family, with the career and the house in the suburbs, or is it grandchildren? Like, I think that's, that's the mark of success for a lot of people that is, I'm finally a grandparent. You know, and that's uh, a, <laughs> <laughs> I no. And there are there are there is some great symbolism behind becoming a grandparent. And
0: Beautiful there's thing. also a lot
1: more to that. But yeah, second book, I'd tell people, yeah, coaching habit by Michael Bungie Stanier uh, has some of the questions I mentioned earlier. You know, what's the what's the real challenge here for you? And just helping leaders realize, hey, you know what, I need to delegate to develop people and not just be the hero um, because we like heroes until we realize heroes get burnt out too, because they're also human. And so how do we really prevent leaders from getting burnt out? Well, part of it is learning to grow your people and you grow people by asking the questions. So they start to think for themselves. So that's another great book. Third is humble inquiry by Edgar Schein. Um, Really learning to say, Hey, you know, I only know so much. Let me ask questions because I know something, uh, the other people on my team know something. And so let me ask them and posture myself in a way that says, Hey, look, you know, I can't do my job well unless I, uh, you do yours well. And part of doing your job well is giving me perspective and insight that I wouldn't have otherwise, unless you were on my team. So, you know, how can, how do you want to contribute? Like what do you feel like you bring to the table that would help the team really succeed?
0: That's awesome. Thanks for sharing those titles. Yeah. So, you know, who is, you're this great coach, but who, who are your ideal clients?
1: Yeah, my ideal client is who I was 10 years ago is what Mm. we like to say in the coaching realms. And so my, the heart I have is for Asian American leaders in their late twenties to early thirties, where they realize you know, what, what my parents grew up, what I grew up hearing my parents tell me isn't necessarily working anymore. Uh, But I don't even know what I want. Right. I just want to be able to, you know, hit cruise control and just kind of enjoy all the fruits of this labor. You know, I went to school for this degree, you know, and then people realize, hey, you know, they finish med school, they get married, they have the kids and they realize they just inherited a a bigger set of challenges. Right. And so for for them to say, hey, there's all these cultural uh, discrepancies I'm dealing with between, you know, Asian culture and American culture, other things like that. What's most important to me? What do I even really want? So you have internal conflict, right? You have um, family familial conflict, and then you have conflict at work, right? Those work challenges never go away. That's what they're paying you to solve, right?
0: I love that. You know, what you're sharing makes me think of um, my first writing teacher when I was 16. hmm. He said, write what you know. Hmm. And I believe that what you're doing as a coach is you're you're kind of writing what you know, you're Mm -hmm. sharing what you know, and you're sharing with a community that you know really well. I did something similar similar to that with my dissertation. I know there's lots of children that need to be helped in the school environment, but Mm -hmm. the story that I know best is that of the journey of an African-American. So Mm
1: -hmm. I totally get that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And so, yeah, that's, you can work with any paying customer really, but this is who I really have a
0: heart for. Yeah. So you have a niche and a heart for uh, the Asian community and I totally understand that, but you're open to any client who feels that you would be a good fit for them as a coach. If, if they were to listen to this podcast and say, you know what he shared, I, it really resonates with me. They can still contact you and, and you take them on and help them.
1: Of course. Yeah. 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 You know, if these are pain points that resonate with you, sure. If you think my help is is worth, is worth hiring to, to guide you through these things, please do. But sure. if not, Hey, you know, fine. My hope is that you do find a coach. If I'm not the best fit. Yeah. Find a coach who is please do. Wonderful.
0: Please share any information that you would like to give about how my audience uh, might contact you or uh, know about books or websites or anything you have out there that you want to share.
1: Certainly. Yeah. Um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, you can for and find me there or uh, all the goodies come from the website, which is www.adaptingleaders.com. There is a free downloadable guide on a framework for uh, having these hard conversations, much that we unpacked in, in our episode together. Uh, there is also a, a free blog on useful leadership literature and other life hacks. Uh, if you want to check that out and you can also schedule a complimentary 30 minute call and share your story, share a challenge you want some help with. There's also formal coaching packages. We can talk about if, you know, you like the free samples, Hey, yeah, you know, buy a whole gallon of ice cream if you like the, if you like the <laughs> samples. So, uh, but if, you know, depending on your budget, Hey, let me just start with the free stuff, right? Let me just see where, where it takes me and uh, you know, see, see what happens.
0: Oh, that's great. So I like your attitude with it, too, because it's a type of um, you being a servant uh, in helping people and providing free stuff. But also it would be so great if it resonated to the point that people would say, you know what, I'm going to put my money behind it and and go with this coaching and and learn together, collaborate with Jerry. So thanks so much, Jerry. It's been a pleasure to have you on my show. I'm just humbled that you even found interest in in wanting to be on my show. And that's just the way I feel about any of my guests. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: well, <laughs> so I'm, I'm been... humbled too. Yeah. You know, just say, hey, I, I love, uh, I'm grateful for every podcast host that says, hey, you know what, uh, this he would be a worthwhile guest to have on. So thank you for allowing me this chance. Wonderful.
0: Well, friends, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Envision Together Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I hope today's topic inspired you to envision a brighter future getting to your next level of best and to urge others to reach theirs as well. If you are encouraged by today's episode, subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Also, please write a review. It will help me to reach a wider audience with a message of hope and inspiration. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and share your thoughts about today's episode. Until next time, envision the future you want to see.